بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جاءته سهلة وأن تتجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلة اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أياكم الله Welcome to everybody We also have some special guests I believe we have the oldest one يعني hiding behind here Emma, you can run, but you can't hide. And uh, the lads are here. And where's my guy, Idris? MashaAllah. Uh, all right, folks. So uh, today we start a new chapter. Um, as Shazad has just put on the uh, link there. Ugh. You don't have right-click, yani meaning thingy. Throw your Mac in the bin. Which human being yani, on his trackpad doesn't make the right-hand side right-click of a mouse? Tell me that. Right. We're going to have a vote right now. Vote right now. He just said that on a trackpad, forget Mac, Apple, just, I'm just talking about human civilization. If you have a trackpad, or if you have two buttons, no, no, that's, that's not right. One second, let's start where we should start. If we have a left button and a right button, what, what will the right button do? Right click as a normal windows. Okay, right. So if we have a trackpad, glass pad, whatever bagwas you call it these days, what's going to be your right hand, right click button on a, from a mouse? What is it? Number one. It's going to be the right hand side of the trackpad. Correct? Okay. Shazad Salim just said, two clicks on the pad. Two clicks on the pad. I don't understand what it means, two fingers. Without clicking. A click with two fingers. Let me just try that. Exactly. Two fingers is scrolling and, and, and back. Let me tell you how the professionals do it. Oh my god, that's so horrible. <laughs> what is that? Oh my life, that is so horrible what you just did. Oh my life, just took half an hour just to do that. Just wanted to open up a new tab, that's all we wanted. Humanity is crying right now. All right. Oh, that was crazy, right. We are in the, the same overall chapter, but we're in a new section, yeah? You'll be glad to hear. Seems like we haven't been in that first section for the last six years, right? Shortening the prayer. So now we're in the second section. We're in the section of combining. So the chapter is Bab Salat Al-Ahl Al-A'dhar, the chapter of the prayer for the legally excused, or whatever we said, uh, what, what that was translated as. And it is Al-Faslun Fil Jama'ah, the chapter on combining. And the author says in the Arabic, uh, he says, يجوز الجمع بين ظهرين وبين العشاعين في وقت إحداهما في سفر قصر ولمريد يلحقه بتركه مشقة وبين العشاعين لمطر يبل الثياب ووحل وريح شديد باردة ولو صلى في بيته أو في مشد طريقه تحت سابق تحت سابات 
حسابات يا نستر والأفضل فعل الأرفق به من تأخير وتقديم فإن جمع في وقت الأولى اشترط نية الجمع عند إحرامها ولا يفرق بينهما إلا بمقدار إلا بمقدار إقامة ووضوء خفيف ويبطل براتبة بينهما وإن يكون وإن يكون العذر موجودا عند افتتاحما والسلام والسلام الأولى وإن جمع في وقت ثانية اشترط نية الجمع في وقت الأولى إن لم يدق عن فعلها واستمرار العذر إلى دخول وقت الثانية That's the entire section of combining Maybe about three, four weeks maybe Possibly like that Okay The translation is as follows It is permissible to combine between the two zuhurs And between the two ishas In the time of either one of them For the following people For A The one on a journey that allows shortening And for B The one who if he was not to take this concession would suffer hardship due to his illness. It is also permissible to combine the two ishas due to a rain which soaks the clothes or muddy conditions or a strong cold wind, whether he prays at home or the route to his masjid is covered by a roof. It is best for him to choose that which is easiest, whether that is choosing the earlier time or the later time. If he prays them both at the earlier time, it is a condition that he must make the intention for combining before he starts the first prayer. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, that's a mistake, that's also, a mis also that first part I don't like either. Yeah, I just translated this an hour ago, so I, I need to tidy this up. Um, it is also a condition that he doesn't delay in between the two prayers for longer than what it takes to do a quick wudu and give the iqama. The combining will be invalidated if one prays the formal sunan prayers, the rawatib, in between. The excuse for combining is present before he starts the first prayer and remains at least until he completes that first prayer. If he prays at the later time, he must make the intention to combine the first prayer later whilst he is still in the time of that first prayer. However, this will be invalid if he tries to do this at such a late time where he doesn't have enough time left to offer that first prayer. And finally, the, next, the last condition, the excuse for combining when combining at the later time must be present until the entering of the time for that second prayer. So all these things, they sound a bit random and they sound a bit weird, but once we get to them, you'll see they're all very, very simple, very, very straightforward, very, very intuitive. Okay, a lot of this makes, uh, all of this, sorry, makes a lot of sense, all right? So there's nothing actually intrinsically uh, difficult, okay? So to kick off then the text, we're going to be in page, uh, page what? Uh, page 385 in the commentary of Asharh al-Mumti' volume 4. And it's right at the bottom. He says, Fasl ya'ani fil jami salatain. Now, I just want to say, actually, he himself adds this point for those folks that have been following the commentary. And now, uh, Ijaz was here last week and he showed me, subhanAllah, that the app for the uh, thing, he did download it on my phone, actually. I can't remember what it was called. I should actually know that because it was such a nice app. So if you want to use the app, 
then uh, it's all there in its all sections and everything. And what was really nice about it um, is the fact that the, um, that the audio files are there with it as well. Um, and the reason I just want to bring a point is that a, a, a lot of the time, the various narrations of Zad al-Mustaqni, Zad al-Mustaqni is the small text that we're reading out. It's a minor text, actually, in terms of uh, quant uh, you know, pages and lines. It's only small, right? The huge work is all about chatting around it and discussing it and explaining it. But the actual text is a very small metan, yeah? Relatively small metan. The, these metans arrive to us just like every other text arrives to us via chains of narrators. So the original author, Imam al-Hajjah, will, will have written it, okay? Uh, or scribe writing it from him as he narrates it. There'll be more than one scribe. There'll be small little differences along the way. And so words and, and, and titles and things like that will get inserted and removed. Yeah? This, of course, is very, very important when it comes to studying hadith and when it comes to studying very, very controversial text, like a big political statement from a, from a big scholar. Then it's really important to, you know, to have the people who are the masters of manuscripts right bang on top of their game to be able to work out where there's a mistake or where there's a deletion or where there's some kind of play, foul play, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Here you'll notice that not every one or every copy of Zad al-Mustaqni will have uh, some of these kind of helpful points. So it doesn't actually say, the actual original manuscript doesn't say sub-chapter or subsection combining. It just says subsection, subsection, subsection and doesn't actually give a title for that subsection. Now, obviously, we can tell that the first subsection was all about shortening, so it's shortening. And then the second subsection is on combining, so we put down combining. But I want you to know that that's not the actual original text. And, then, and in this sense, then, the teacher, not, not, not the teacher, I don't think he's not really torn, but the translator is certainly in a difficult place. He's torn between, do I give that, and we spoke about this in art in a couple of, week, you know, a couple of weekends ago, that when the translator is translating Qur'an, of course, it's not, no such thing as a translation of the Qur'an. It's only in one language. So we're translating the meanings. Remember the, the HT boys, they used to put that, right? Uh, if you ever remember back in the day, when they used to give references, uh, uh, you know, on their leaflets and stuff. Um, the, uh, um, and, and they would give a Qur'an reference. They would always put TMQ. Was it TMQ? I'm pretty sure it was TMQ. For the longest time, I used to look at that thing. What's the TMQ? Then I thought, it's the Magnificent Quran. This is what I used to think. The Magnificent Quran, TMQ 11-23, for example. Yeah, 23rd verse of the 11th surah, TMQ. And then it's only afterwards that I realized that, that what they were meaning, what they meant by TMQ was the meaning of the uh, uh, Quran, which is actually really good. Really, really good. That was that long time ago. A, a group that is not associated with scholarship or knowledge or anything like that had have got this point spot on. And you found all these people who are so specialist in the Quran and all the, you know the, 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 the groups that claim to be so big on the Quran. They never picked up on this point. That an English you can't call anything a translation the English Quran or the English version or the English translation is at best a translation of their interpretation of what they think the Quran means, right? And when they're doing that translation uh, project, you've always got this challenge of, um, of do you stick to the literal and that will lead to confusing the reader? Or do you stick to what you 100% know what is the intended meaning behind this and give that using artistic license and, and so on? 
And there's other little kind of, you know, things that come up. Like, for example, this translation. I said the two ishas, I, I translated originally exactly like he said. I said between the, uh, the, the, the Zuhrain and the Isha'in. Anyone seeing that? He's going to say, what on earth is Zuhrain and Isha'in? Right? So then I thought, you know what? I don't want to make it completely, and it, you know, throw Arabic under the bus. So I'll go halfway house. So I put the two Zuhrs and the two Isha's. Which is even more confusing, actually. Well, what two Zuhrs and what two Isha's? And then you've got other translators that have translated it entirely by interpretation and not by the wording at all. And so Musa Ferber, for example, no, actually, I don't know if it's Musa Ferber, but I saw in one of the books, whatever, he put down, it is permissible to combine between the early afternoon prayer and the later afternoon prayer. So not only did he actually translate the two intended meanings, but he didn't even use the word Zuhr prayer and Asr prayer. He said the early afternoon prayer and the later afternoon prayer, which is the intended meaning by this statement, and between the early evening prayer and the late night prayer, which is also intended by Isha'in. And all of these are all possible to do. It's all art, isn't it? It's all how you present yourself and what your audience is. If it's academia, they're going to be very strict and hold you to certain kind of principles and all the rest of it. However, others will be, um, you, know, you know, just take it easy and just translate it as what it is. And we're definitely here to take it easy because we've been translating for 12 years and a bean has been released publicly. And why are we killing ourselves trying to make it out? Like we've got to protect it like the crown jewels. You know what I'm saying? All right. So this is about combining the prayer. What is combining? What does the word combining mean when we speak about combining? Nobody says the prayer, right? It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a phrase now so synonymous with what it means that you just say, are we combining? Are you going to combine? Should we combine? Just combine. Combine means only, and it will only ever mean this, the combining between the dhuhr and the asr prayer, at either the dhuhr time, that's what's called early, that's what's called taqdeem, or at the later time, in the time of the second prayer, i.e. in the asr prayer, and that's called ta'khir. So when you do it at the early time, you're doing taqdeem, and when you're doing it at a later time, it's called ta'khir. So the first form of jama' is between dhuhr and asr. The second form, and the only other form of combining a prayer, is between maghrib and isha. And that again is either at the maghrib time or at the isha time. And if it is done at the Maghrib time, it will be Jamu Taqdeem. And if it's done at the Isha time, it will be Jamu Ta'khir. That's the concept of Jama'. Very well known. However, not very well accepted. It's very well known, but there's a lot of discussion amongst the scholars uh, about this. And this is one of the things why um, it's, it's interesting, of course, from a cultural point of view, because obviously the majority of us and the majority of people who take this lesson are Pax, Desi kind of background. And this is something that your parents never ever taught you, right? Because they're never going to teach you. Because they're never going to do it. In fact, they'd rather die than do it, okay? This is qatta hanafi to the core yani, behavior. And it's interesting how if you want to uh, designate the other side by something, then it can be like, they combine the prayers. You know what I'm saying? It's like a flag. Yeah, and an advertisement for the other side. Anyone from the outside of the Hanafi school combining the prayers, hush tones, serious behavior. It's a big advertisement because it's a dominant feature of anyone who's non-Hanafi, other than raising the hands, for example. Hands not being under the navel, for example. You know, the big advertising key parts. Where does all of that come from? Let's have a look at that. So, um, at the top of, we're now on top of 380 uh, six. 
the key point here is to know that it's not possible legally or linguistically for combining to mean Fajr and Dhuhr or Isha and Fajr or any other form of combining. These are the only two. I also want to say this is not possible to talk about combining in an emergency either. Emergency would be, for example, that you got knocked out, lost consciousness for something for like hours in winter, a couple of hours, basically missed all five prayers. Yeah. <laughs> so then you came round and like, you know, before you know it, you've got everything to pray. You're not combining the prayers. You're making up the prayers on their right time because you were not held accountable during that time. That's scenario number one. Is that clear? That's not called combining ever. Right? That's, that's called performing the prayer in order as you remembered it, as it's obligated, obligated upon you now. The second scenario would be an emergency situation. The, uh, you know, uh, a, a surgeon goes in, or no, not a surgeon. Uh, you know, someone's on a, a, a road trip. Someone has a, a crazy accident. And the, the, one of the, the people who's with them is like, you know, a doctor that's got to can't move from the person, basically, and has to operate on that guy using the, the, the you know, the biro. We've got to make sure we take the thing out, do the emergency, yeah, and the tracheostomy, and you do the full behavior, you know, like proper. Then it all goes wrong. You've got to hold it with three pressure points. Let's just make it all yeah, fantastic. Keep it going for like six, seven, eight hours. This is different to the first one. He's choosing not to pray because of an emergency, uh, a darura. Um, whether that's the right decision or not, you'd say that he could pray with, with motion. And let's imagine that he has to be intellectually enabled in the action itself. So to make it as extreme as possible, this person will be choosing like it was narrated from the Prophet ﷺ when the battle became so difficult and then he'll be praying all the prayers when he gets the first opportunity. Again, that's not combining. That's just praying the first opportunity that he got to. Something that most of us will never ever see in our lives, that level of mission. Yeah? All right. The really important point which every scholar, every teacher will focus on in this chapter is always the opening statement of how the, the scholar or the teacher is going to present the concept of combining. I can pretty confidently say that when it comes to, obviously I've been teaching for donkey's years, right? I can pretty confidently say that if I'm to identify from the hundreds of thousands of questions that I've received over the years, the single subject that's the least understood is combining, right? Or not least understood, the people make the most mistaken. That's what I should say, yeah. Like, you know, other than, you know, uh, acceptable mistakes in difficult technical areas, I get that. But I mean in something which is really straightforward as a concept, nothing difficult or complicated about it at all. And for people to mess it up so much is very, very interesting. And it's basically their approach to combining. Not the, not the execution of it, because the execution is as simple as I just made it. But how they understand it from a philosophy. How they understand it as, a, as an ethic. When should it be done? How should it be done? And you will see the most amount of people, and some of you right here, right now, might be the case, that if you are traveling, you are combining because you think that both of them are absolutely inextricably linked. And this is the number one mistake that I see from people. So much so, it is so ingrained into the hearts and mind of the people that in every single opportunity, especially when I'm traveling with people and I'm educating them on this fact, it's very difficult for them to actually not combine. It's crazy. Which goes back to what we said last week and what Lama put on the uh, 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 thingy as well, on the group as well, um, uh, uh, on the chat group. And also, you know, this idea that 
we have to be very, very careful about concessions. And when you get too used to and too comfortable with concessions, to step out of them is very, very difficult. To return back to what is the default position, the default ibadah, the default yani, position where Muslims should be, becomes very, very difficult. And this is completely unacceptable because it then just leads you to become just, yani, you know, a concession king, right? And just, yani, your religion then just starts to fade away because it just, it's just nothing. It's just excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. So you need to be careful on that. And so in that light, Sheikh Uthameen doesn't hesitate to make a major point of this. Neither did Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, what I was reading earlier on. Neither did other scholars as well. What's the opening statement? What's the opening statement in this chapter? It is permissible. Alright? And this word is very heavily loaded as well. What does it mean? What have you heard me say over the years in LP when you find folks speak about uh, these kind of legal statements You know what it is It is obligatory It is permissible It's a sunnah It is a mustahab what, about, what, what, have, what have you heard me say There's a very specific thing That I've been saying About these descriptive terms Legally kind of descriptive terms Anyone remember I said Often this is happening Because of something happening Behind the scenes and often the, the imam or the sheikh or the teacher that's making that statement is at the same time refuting a, either a very weak opinion or a dominant opinion that he wants to show that is just unacceptable and so he goes in hard or going against the deviant sect that is, proper, that has, that is propaganda has kind of come to a, you know, to a high level and it needs to be corrected. And so what we have here is this unique situation where the actual use of the word is not for its legal purpose, but for its political purpose, quote-unquote. For its I-want-to-make-a-point purpose. Very similar to what, we, you know, might have told you in LP, but certainly in other classes, what, uh, in Al-Adab Al-Mufrad, in Protect His House and the like, uh, what Imam Bukhari does when he is, you know, putting hadith in this way, that way, repeating a hadith, what he says in the chapter titles, all of it is a secret message to those people who understand. As for the masses, they understand exactly what they wanted to at their level. But the people at the higher level are seeing a whole load more in the same words. He's making statements at multiple levels. We used to call it, we used to call that what? Bukhari-tronics. Yeah, we used to call it Bukhari-tronics. Now he used to be doing that behavior and it's very, very interesting to follow. Yeah. And so here, Sheikh Uthameen makes the point. He goes, you Jews, it is permissible. But what does he mean by permissible? What does Imam al-Hajjah mean, it is permissible? Because normally when you say it is permissible, you're saying that because somebody else has said it's not permissible. Right? Somebody else is saying it's not permissible or the statement that it is not permissible has become so yani, famous that we just got to make it clear and calm down everybody. It is permissible, folks. You get what I'm saying? And so therefore, the statement itself is simply focusing on the fact that that it is not permissible is starting to gain traction. And so I'm just going to just put that down and make it clear it is permissible. Now, in fairness, this could very much be his intention. Sheikh Uthameen doesn't say what he believes Imam al-Hajjawi's intention is, but he's discussing what he could be meaning by this. And frankly, that's as good an explanation because, of course, Abu Hanifa's opinion is very, very well known, very clear and very strongly stated. There's absolutely no combining whatsoever except in very few cases which we'll come to.
What's the, uh, and when he says that, it is permissible, that's all he cares about. That he's just wanting to make it clear that it's not, not permissible. Is that, is, that, is that clear? Another time, you're not involved in trying to focus on what other people say. And your statement is just an introductory statement that could also mean something else. So if I say something is permissible, is it possible to say something that follows after it as well? If I say this act is permissible. Think about it logically. Come on guys, think about it legally. Could I follow up, Yani? it is permissible with a further legal statement or not? For example, with exception, okay. What about keep going? Is it, is it, put it this way, is it, is it okay for me to say fajr is permissible? Why not? So? No? Why, why is the fact that it is obligatory it, super, it supersedes permissible, so therefore, it is possible for me to say it is permissible and indeed obligatory. Do you understand? So therefore, the statement of it is permissible to pray Salatul Fajr, indeed it is blah, 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 blah. What I'm saying is that the word permissible can also be used as an introduction to say something further. And as Sheikh Uthameen says, that actually as we'll find with the issue of, of combining, we do know that there is more to it than meets the eye. And therefore, the, his intention could be, it is permissible and mustahab. It is permissible and recommended. And because he's writing a small kind of text, he might not yani, want to go into the detail of when it is recommended because it can be both at the same time. Now, the Fajr one linguistically works, technically doesn't work. The example I'm giving, it is permissible and mustahab, works linguistically and technically. Why? Because if I was to say to you and I prove to you that there are certain circumstances where it is, on, it is really, re, uh, re, not required, it is recommended for you to, to combine, but its basic principle, default position is permissibility, then that would be the right way to present it. It is permissible and indeed recommended in certain times. Does that make sense? Now, normally, what the intent of the author is when they use that word is down to understanding the context, the history and the people and the sects and the scholars that were there at the time when this statement was being made. That is significant. Maybe not significant for you folks who are learning the English and are not going into text, but those who want to be students of knowledge have got to be able to appreciate that when legal statements like these are made, there are other things going on. That is the point that I wanted to make and what Sheikh Uthameen makes very, very well. He goes, Anyway, regardless, he goes, it's well known that the, according to the majority of scholars, to combine the prayer is something which is permissible and not something which is recommended in principle. Not something which is recommended. And in actual fact, to leave it is sometimes better. Now, he doesn't say sometimes, but I know that that's what he means. Okay? Because it is a concession. Because it is a concession. Uh, but to leave it is better 
because of the difference of opinion on the matter. For example, the madhab of Abu Hanifa rahimahullah is that it is not permissible to combine the prayer except on the day of Arafah between Dhuhr and Asr whilst you're at Arafah and between Maghrib and Isha when you're in Muzdalifah. These are the two exceptions that in the Hanafi school that they accept. And that's it. No other combining allowed at all, ever. Okay? And if you say, why did they allow that and not the rest? They said they allowed that because they did not see it as, some, as combining for the reasons of difficulty or hardship or traveling or whatever. But they said this is part of the acts of Hajj itself. You get what I'm saying? So it's Nusuk. It's rituals of Hajj. The way, that you, the way from the rituals of Hajj is that you pray the prayer like this. That's basically the way that it's being presented. And if you think about it, this actually has a very solid logical base. Because why do people normally combine the prayer? Because of some difficulty, because of restricted time, because they're not going to be able to get to a place in a, in a certain moment, etc. Because of difficulty, right? And you're trying to basically save time. Why is, the, why is it that journeying is the number one reason for uh, uh, initiating the combining concession? Because you want to make use of travel time. And you know that pulling over or stopping or pausing to pray on time is going to actually materially affect your travel. Yeah? Uh, and the time and, you know, get delayed or rush hour or etc., etc., etc. And so therefore, if we use that, that logic, then what is the day of Arafah all about but maximizing your time for dua and dhikr? And that is not going to be maximized if after a couple of hours into your day, you have to then all come back into the masjid and then do the salah and then go back out, take an hour out or half an hour out for that whole process of attending the salah. So whilst we're there and one moment, the Prophet ﷺ is like, we're here now to free up the rest of the afternoon so you don't have to come back to the masjid again, which is exactly as we're going to come to it. The reason why you don't, why you combine when it's raining, okay, so that you avoid having to make the people come back out again for Salatul Isha in the rain, in the mud, in the cold, in the danger, all right? So you don't want to make them come back. So the same in Arafah. We don't want to make them come back, stay out there, keep making dua. You know what I'm saying? We'll even take Maghrib and Isha out of the way, like, you know, we push that back late towards the kind of early evening but we're also just to allow a sweet kind of you know exit and get to your place but then why not isha in its right time because we want them to go to sleep which is yeah, the irony in itself in the night of muzdalifah like good luck to anybody that goes to sleep and then obviously maximum sleep as much as possible because it's an early start early early start prophet prayed fajr super early and then you need that full night's sleep because in fact Possibly the only night that the Prophet ﷺ didn't pray to Hajjud as a rule, as an intention, I mean, because the amount of energy that's required for the day of Hajj is next level. That day, uh, uh, Yom al-Nahar, the day of Eid for everybody else, is a day, what was our thingy? Steps or miles? 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 25k so that was this year right and this year was easier 100% this year I mean 2023 
uh, because our base camp was right next to Jamarad. So the deviation that we needed to do to get to the Haram, whatever, was, was, was minimized. But yeah, I think it's K. Yeah, you're right. Uh, between 25 to 30 K kil kilometers walking in the heat. And I'm, bro, this year it was a madness, meaning it was 53 or something crazy. Right? So, of course, you need full night's sleep. But as I said, you ain't getting no full night's sleep. But anyway. So, uh, anyway, this is uh, according to uh, Abu Hanifa. And of course, there are a number of evidences, which we'll go through some of them that will support and, and, and uh, you know. And here's the thing. A lot of people think that this is like a Hanafi thing. And, and what I really find irritating is that a lot of people that kind of start practicing, they identify their practicingness, their practicingness or their new state of practicingness by abandoning as much as they possibly can from their culture of the Hanafi school. And they associate any holding on to any kind of remnants to the Hanafi school as some kind of remnants and dregs of the backward times and the pre-Islamic you know, Islamic jahiliya kind of thing, which is crazy, right? Now, not only is that embarrassing for that person, but it also is surprising when they realize that it's not just, for example, the Hanafis that say X and Y or that they restrict an issue. So, for example, on combining, as you're going to find out, I, I certainly am a very anti-combiner. And you'll find that Ibn Taymiyyah has a wonderful statement on this. He goes that there, it, when you look at combining, he, he himself stated that there is no one that's more flexible or flexible, uh, you know, easygoing when, when it comes to combining than Imam Ahmed. Uh, he's talking about the, uh, the uh, imma, yani the big imams. And we know who the strictest is, of course, Abu Hanifa, right? So Abu Hanifa is the one who restricts it the most, absolutely, like closes the door completely. And Imam Ahmed, he's the one who closes it. Now, this is important. Why is it important? Because when you are asked to give fatwa, um, it is very, very important. Obviously, you know, you guys might won't be in a position yet, well, maybe one day, to give fatwa. But when you give fatwa, and by definition of fatwa, we mean that that's something which is not a normative position in the books of fiqh, right? A normative legal position that can be found. Fatwa means a, an extraordinary circumstance for a specific individual. You don't give fatwas for, for people unless all of them have been placed in an extraordinary situation. But normally it's not. It's an individual thing. And you'll find nearly all the time. That's why a scholar can't be lazy and say fatwa for you, fatwa for you. No, fatwas normally reflect very specific circumstances for an individual. Not just the unique situation, but the person differs in their strengths, abilities, financial, this, that, whatever. So you can't use the same one. It's got to be specific. Yeah. Um, whenever you give fatwa, the first thing that you want to try to do, or the, or the thing that you absolutely have got to avoid like the plague, is to create a new answer. But rather, you want to try to find a salaf, a precedent. And that precedent can be wherever. It depends on how desperate you get. person who understands knowledge proper, he will just, you know, he might, he might be following the Hanbali school, uh, he might be following the Hanafi school. And he realizes, you know what, there's nothing in the Hanafi school that I can use here, so I'll just go to one of the neighboring schools. These are major schools here, no messing about. Shafi'i, Malik, Ahmed, whatever. And so we'll go and take one of the opinions from them and put that forward, even though normally I wouldn't do that, but we're basically looking for something that has a, a precedent. 
you wish that you could be so lucky. A lot of the time you're having to then go out of the four schools because they agree or they disagree on something and find an individual kind of statement from a person, from, a, from a, one of the salaf, one of the tabi'een, and you're giving that in the hope to avoid you creating a, uh, a, a, a new answer. Yeah? Which is like, you know, the riskiest thing in the world. You've got to like have the guts of I don't know what and you've got to have the knowledge of I don't know what to be able to give yani, a new answer. When it comes to, when it comes to, when I'm asked, again, probably the most common question as well, you know, about uh, uh, combining and I'm in that situation, I'm in that situation. I would always rule according to Imam Ahmed, right? And as, uh, as, uh, as, uh, Imam Ahmed, as uh, Ibn Taymiyyah said, Imam Ahmed was the most generous when it, generous, I like generous actually. He's the most generous when it comes to combining hatta al-shughl. Ya'ani, he will give the excuse for combining simply for the reason of work. However, as his students then later, you know, what often happens is the teacher, you know, shoots his mouth off and then the students are all, you know, clamoring to correct all the people who are running around with that statement. And, uh, but he didn't mean that, but he didn't mean that. You know, we're always, we always are like that by, by nature. Students are always very jealously protective of people taking liberties with their teacher in the fear that they'll be misread, only to do that and then find out later that the teacher is actually even more, yani, like, uh, you know, uh, easygoing than what you were, certainly what you were saying, but even what he was saying originally. And he's like, why would you go and restrict what I'm telling the people? And it's, that's one of the ironies of trying to kind of speak for another, that's not even mansplaining, student-splaining. Yeah, student-splaining on behalf of the sheikh. It's a, it's a thing, by the way. It really is a thing. You find it all the time. So anyway, so they jumped in and they went, well, he didn't mean like, you know, work, work, but he meant the work that would be so sensitive and so important and so emergency that would lead you to be excused from Jumu'ah and the Jama'ah. Right? Because Jama'ah, we already said, humbly school especially, obligate, obligated to go to. The Jama'ah, remember? Salah. And Jumu'ah, of course, obligatory. And so sometimes a person might be in a work or in a situation or a travel or a job or whatever that is preventing you from attending the jama'ah, which we said is serious, but obviously that's pretty much all of us, right? We All of us are working in a country where we don't have the ability to everything stops for the salah because of the adhan. Muslim country that allows to happen. We are using that concession all the time. As for the jama'ah one, then, you know, that's obviously in play as well. Otherwise, the hadith of the one who misses three in a row, you know, the heart... So that's obviously a problem, but it's also a, uh, a, a thingy. Uh, a what? Uh, not a concession, it's a what? Um, not an opportunity. I don't know what it is. But it allows you, meaning there's some space there, isn't it? It means that if there's a situation where you look and you've got, you got to go to work tomorrow, you're not a kafir, basically. You got the hadith there that says that, okay, you know what, you needed to turn up, but if you really had something important, then your heart's not sealed yet, right? If your excuse is good, you're excused. But if your excuse is not good, then you've done something haram, but your heart hasn't become sealed. I have no idea how to explain it any better. But anyway, the point is, is that there's some space. So they're saying, the students of, uh, of Ahmed were saying that this is the level of the work it's got to be to allow you to combine that work. Now, what's interesting for me is that I can see where they're saying that. Because what's, common and what's commonly narrated 
from Imam Ahmed, his most common answer on this issue was that he gave this fatwa to a baker. And the baker, as you know, nobody wants to get cold buns or cold chapatis or cold naans or anything, yeah, in Muslim countries. And the entire, whatever the culture is, whether it's naan or whether it's uh, khubz or whether it's reef or whether, well, you know, all the different types of cultures that have their, their basic, basic bun that, that the vast majority of the people are dependent upon, yeah, they themselves, when they go, they create a market which is very distinct. And they will come and they will go on the way home because this is mealtime and so they will finish something and they will pick it up on the way home. And of course, the baker has got to have the things ready. So it's not like he, you know, he just turns up. It's not like selling you know, chocolates. You've got to cook it. You've got to get the dough ready. You've got to put it in the oven. It's got to come out at the time that the people are going to buy it. Otherwise, your whole bakery business is going to go down the plug hole because you couldn't even get your timings right. Now, if the timing is such where you've got to be in that oven dealing with things and they're burning within seconds and you've got to like get them out, whatever, whatnot, how can you pray on time in a tight situation and your entire day of business is all about this key part? And we're going to say, no, because of this, you're, and this is like uh, as halal a job as it gets. We're not talking about someone who's in haram jobs, whatever, halal job doing the right thing, whatever, we're going to hold him accountable. Ahmed said, yeah, you can combine. Now, we're not talking someone who's doing all the time, every time. He's got to think and make plans and get staff in and, you know, whatever. But the fatwa is there to show that this person, we would even allow this person to not make their jama'ah. We, we would even say that this person doesn't have to go to the jama'ah. And so therefore, if we're going to do that, then why wouldn't we say jama'ah? This is what Ibn Taymiyyah means by he is the most generous. And the most yani, tight and restricted on the issue is Abu Hanifa. Ironically, the position of people like Ibn Taymiyyah himself, Ibn Qayyim for example himself, is a tight one. That they will restrict it with quite a lot of sensibilities. Quite, with quite a few sensibilities. The idea is that you should not be using this concession a lot. That you should assess the, the situation that you're in. How, how, how serious is it or not? Let's carry on and see what Sheikh says. Sheikh says... Uh, Sheikh Uthameen alayhi rahmatullahi says, was sahih and al jam'a sunnatun either that the um, to combine the prayer is a sunnah. It is an act of the Prophet to be followed if two things are found to be present, two reasons are found to be present. The first, sorry, um, that was completely uh, wrong translation. It is a sunnah as long as its initiating reasons are found present, right? It's legal excuses, i.e. rain, i.e. travel, i.e. illness, which we're going to come to. And that is because of two reasons. The first reason is a sunnah is because it is from the concessions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to give these concessions. And so when he loves to give these concessions, then he loves that people take these concessions. That's the first reason it's a sunnah to do this act. The second one is that in doing it, you are following the example of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, because he would combine the prayer when the reason for combining was to be found. Now, when we use the word sunnah here, we are not meaning it is recommended individually, but we mean recommended in general. And when we say sunnah here, when Sheikh Uthameen is making the word sunnah, that doesn't mean that you do it every time you go out because it's a sunnah. Like it's smiling is a sunnah, right? To use miswak is a sunnah, right? 
That means you're doing it all the time, as much as you can, whenever is possible. When he uses the word here, sunnah, he means that this is legal status, sunnah. You are following in the footsteps of the Prophet as long as you do it in the way that he did it and when he did it. All right? What are those... Uh, and, and the Prophet and uh, Shaykh Uthameen says, and frankly, this also comes under the hadith of the Prophet as well, if you want to give another reason, because he said, Sallu kama usalli. Pray like you have seen me pray. And so this is another reason for it. So we, you will do it between what? Combine what? The two dhuhrs and the two asrs. And why is it called two dhuhrs and two asrs? Because of the understanding that one dominates over the other. And there's no doubt that dhuhr is... Huh? The two, what did I say? Asr. Sorry, the two dhuhrs and two uh, ishas, sorry. So between the two dhuhrs, because one is dominant over the other. And uh, definitely I think that in the hearts and minds of people, dhuhr has a more prominent kind of feel, right? Prominent uh, appearance, presence, I don't know, could be argued, you know, I don't know. Uh, and when it comes to isha, then it is that night prayer which has that more dominant feature as well. And this is very common in Arabic language. Sheikh Uthameen goes that this is why the Arabs say Qamaran, for example, the two Qamars. And by the second one, they mean the, the sun. So whenever you see Qamaran, it's not called a Shamsan, yani, you know, or Shamsatain or something like that. You're not, not, not called like that at all. It's always the moon which is used in the, uh, in the jewel, right? So the moon dominates over the sun, and that's why it's... And also, Al-Umaran, which is very interesting. What is Al-Umaran? Anyone know? For special prize of non-existent chocolate? We are rocks here, brother. Okay. Qamar Wahid is gone and Qamar Thani is gone. But what, who is Al-Umaran? Which means the two Umars, yeah. Who are what? Who are Umaran? <laughs> One answer is not sufficient. You got to give both answers. Who are Al Umaran? We dad got it right. Umar and Abu Bakr. But what I really want to know is that is that really yani, uh, her guessing that, or did she read that somewhere? That's the real question. But the point is that you wouldn't have thought that Umar gets the nod, yeah? That's the point. And yet he gets the nod, even though he's not better in Umar in any of the aspects of Deen uh, at all. So the word dominance here is for more than just yani, value, right? More than, more than actual, uh, uh, you know, legit legitimacy. All right. So what's the first reason for uh, shortening the, uh, sorry, combining the prayer, that the journey is one in which you're allowed to shorten. So not any journey, but it's got to be a legitimate journey that we call safar. That's the first uh, point. Um, that's the first point. The second, no, not second point. This is the first reason that allows one to combine. We've got to ask ourselves, is it as simple as that? A journey and that's it? Or do we get more specific? What do you think? What would you like, you know? What? More specific in, in what way? Okay. Time. What does that mean? What do you mean time? 
he's already answered that, right? He said that if the short, if the journey allows shortening, then combining can be done. It is permissible to combine. So the time is already taken care of. We've already been speaking about that for the last seven years, right? What the length of time should be for shortening, what the distance should be for shortening. So it doesn't matter. Whatever you've ended up choosing. So, for example, if you believe that you can shorten for three weeks in a certain place because of the nature of it, then it is permissible for you to combine. So that part's not the issue. What are the issues? What are the parameters that we need, to see, we need further elucidation over if we're speaking about just traveling? We have covered this, by the way, a couple of years ago. When we say traveling, what does traveling encompass? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it if you think it's a journey. Okay. But if you go into a place where you have the same comforts as you do at home, yep. then that would be a, a factor against You've answered it without, uh, without giving me the actual... I mean, you've, you've absolutely answered it without breaking it down like it should be. What are the aspects of travel, folks? No, no, uh, uh, not, not values or not consequences. I mean the actual method of traveling. That's, that's a consequence. Physical the physical movement and then reaching the destination. They're not the same, are they? Right? And this is, we spoke about, and I can't remember in what chapter at all, but we spent a lot of time speaking about the sa'ir, the one who is journeying, traveling, and then he is therefore in a state of travel. Then he reaches his destination. He's still a legal traveler, but he's chilling in his hotel room. This is nazil. So the sa'ir and the nazil are both musafir. Sa'ir means the one who's actually on the journey, and he's a musafir. And the nazil, nazil means the one who settles down in a place whilst he's a traveler. And you will find that many of the scholars restricted traveling, uh, combining to the traveling process itself where you feel it, where you need it, where you really benefit from it, where it's really important. In actual fact, and I spoke about this before, some scholars even claimed that there's a consensus on this point, that, that the only time that you can do traveling, uh, it's not true, but there would, that, you know, a more accurate statement, a more accurate statement is that the people of knowledge themselves will, will, like be, will be, rather be found dead than to be combining whilst you're chilling, even though you are a legitimate traveller. You get my point? And that you should be using a concession, where, like Ibn al-Qayyim, for example, Imam Malik, for example, but Ibn al-Qayyim is famous for this, and Ibn Taymiyyah leans this way as well, but he doesn't restrict it, restrict it. But Ibn al-Qayyim was like, yeah, you, you should only be travelling when it's proper serious journey, when you've proper set off, when you're proper on the road, that's when you start to combine the prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah? And not when you're at home before you start, not when you get to your destination, not yani, when you're at the work, whatever, uh, the contract or the meeting that you're at, but the actual process itself. And that's important for you to being in transit. That's the word I was looking for, being transit. Yeah? So this, I think, is important. And Sheikh says, this is the difference between the scholars. And therefore, from them, it is not permissible to do jama' illa idha kana sa'iran. And that's someone like uh, uh, Ibn Qayyim. That's someone like Imam Malik, for example. 
And the, the evidence is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma in which he said, Kana nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-maghrib wal-isha idha jadda Okay, that the Prophet sallallahu would combine between maghrib and isha when the, when the, when the journey, the in, when it became, in, when he was in transit and it became like proper. When it was like off, we're off now, right? So the movement is real. It's not when he settled down. This hadith narrated by Bukhari, hadith number 1106. Correct. Sa'ir is the one who's on the road. Sa'ir is the one who's set off proper. That's what Sa'ir basically is, is, is understood by, uh, by meaning. And this is important as well. Think about this now. This is where it starts to get difficult. This is not easy. And they also said that did the Prophet combine the prayer when he got to Mina? Was he Musafir, yes or no? How do we know? Shortens the prayer. So in Mina, we know that you only pray the prayer shortened. Yeah? But we also pray the prayer on time. Why do we do that? Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't combine. What was he? He was Musafir Nazil. Yeah? He was Nazil. Settled down, council set up, nice and comfortable, good few days, relaxed. He didn't combine the prayer. That's the argument of those that treat this issue very strictly and they restrict it to the movement parts. Okay? Uh, Sheikh says, the, the, obviously, we would say back to these people, Sheikh Uthameen says, we would respond immediately and say, well, what do you think happened to Arafah? Right? And uh, Arafah, he did combine between Dhuhr and Asr and between Maghrib and Isha and Muzdalifah later on in the night. And they were nazil because they settled down. The response would be, are you really nazil if you're just staying there for like seven, eight hours? Yeah? Are you really a nazil settled down if you put up your tent? I get it, you put a tent up and you did. But, sallallahu alayhi wa but is that proper? Yani, you know. وَأَجَابُ بِأَنَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهِ So they responded, like Malik and this group of people, they said, that's, that's, that's true. And we'll even give you that, that he was Nazil. And he combined. But he only combined so that all of the people would get to pray the whole uh, prayer as a jama'ah with one imam. Yani the wider objective of the day was why he actually changed his normal system. Kind of like a pseudo-Hanafi position, actually. Right? That this is almost part of the reason, the Nusuk is part of the justification you know, uh, you got what I'm saying? And instead of bringing them back again and then they have to find another imam and this and that, let's just get it over and done with right now. Get the prayers done, both of them, in jama'ah, under a single imam. And not a single imam, the main imam. It's not even like, you know, a imam. The leader of the Muslims is the one who leads the prayer in Arafah. All right? And so get them all done in this. So if we can't come back afterwards, it will be sa'ab wa shaqan. And so the Prophet ﷺ intended that he combines between Dhuhr and Asr uh, so that everything all happens in uh, thinking. And he goes, and that, he goes, this is similar to what we do when we combine the prayer because of rain. We want to allow the people to get the jama'ah without having to come back later for the jama'ah. What's the other reason? Right? We're going to come to obviously rain in a, a minute. So that's the back and forth on the issue of 
whether it should be restricted only to the sa'ir. The second position in this issue is that it is permissible for the musafir to make jama' nazilan aw sa'iran. Permissible for both aspects of the traveler. Their evidence is, firstly, the Prophet ﷺ, he combined in Tabuk, in the battle, when he was delayed, and he was nazil. He couldn't leave like he wanted to. He shortened the prayer and he combined whilst he was settled down. This hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed. And the hadith is hadithun sahih thabit, according to uh, Ibn Abdul Barr, who is, of course, the Maliki hadith expert. This hadith narrated volume 5, hadith number 237. So that's, that's the action of the Prophet. Throughout, Throughout his time in Tabuk, 17 days or 19 days, combining. It could be. None of these arguments are bulletproof. It could be argued that this is a, like, like the Hanafi said, that's nusuk. These people would say this is war, X, Y, Z. War, big one though. Um, the stronger evidence or the more uh, agreed upon evidence is the hadith of Abu Juhayfa. Hadith of Abu Juhayfa radiallahu anhu is in Sahih Muslim, Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Bukhari. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana nazilan fil abdah. And this was on the way to Mecca, uh, on the way from Mecca, in the, in the farewell hajj, the final hajj, hajj al-wada'a. And that uh, he came out and he was wearing a red uh, uh, cloak and he led the people for He came out. This is the text of the hadith. I want you to listen carefully. He came out, meaning from his tent, presented himself and he was wearing a red cloak and he prayed dhuhr two units and asr two units now there are some that said he prayed dhuhr two units and asr two units <coughs> and there are others that have said that obviously has to be at the same time you get what I'm saying? the word jama' was not mentioned the word what time was not mentioned just that he came out and he prayed both meanings are possible now if you're making an argument you can make that evidence work for you does that make sense? and you can say that this is one time one moment and there's no gap in between. That's the perceived meaning, the default position. And that's a, a fair position. Okay? The obvious apparent meaning of this hadith is that they were prayed together. And the next hadith is the general hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, the famous one in Sahih Muslim. Probably one of the most famous hadith that exist in the chapter of Salah. That he said that the Messenger combined between Zuhr and Asr and between Maghrib and Isha in Medina without there being any fear, without there being any rain. This hadith is so, so important, so, so famous. Because immediately when he said that, you've got to understand that this is not the Prophet speaking, this is Abdullah ibn Abbas speaking. And this hadith is narrated by Mu'adh as well, it's narrated by Jabir as well. This hadith is a very important hadith in our tradition because of what it indicates. Think about this statement. The Prophet ﷺ, Sahih Muslim, this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ combined between Dhuhr and Asr and between Maghrib and Isha and there was no khawf wala matar. There was no fear, meaning there was no war. We weren't at war. We were not being invaded in case you're thinking that was the reason. And there was no rain in case you're thinking that was the reason. So he said that intentionally from himself to get the people thinking. And what did they say? They said to him, but then what did he mean by that then? Now this is admittedly his own interpretation But in fiqh we have this idea That 
when companions have interpretations upon hadith, if you want to know a hadith as best and as pure as possible, take the understanding of the one who narrated it. So Abdullah ibn Abbas, he says, what he meant by that was to lift the difficulty of his ummah. Sallallahu Meaning he's done that just once as a one-off to show you this situation or this concession isn't as mad ones as you might want to make it. And it's there in the bank to rely upon for a rainy day when the rainy day comes and it doesn't need to be any rain on that day. Alright? Get what I'm saying? Fantastic use of English that was. Write it down in the books. So, um, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah? And so the idea there being that uh, the Prophet ﷺ did that. Now, is, is it, that's why that's why even Sheikh Uthameen said, he goes, the generality of this hadith, because his point is he did it in Medina. Yeah? And he wasn't. Now, I think that this is not an evidence you should use to support your position. He did it in Medina, not to show that he is Nazil. He did it in Medina to show that you don't even need to be on a safar. Forget about Nazil and Sa'ir. You get what I'm saying? So it's not the kind of hadith you want to be putting forward. Um, the fourth, much better evidence, the uh, fourth evidence is the Prophet Sallallahu allowed, uh, uh, sorry, uh, so why did I say this hadith is so important? We don't actually have that many clear statements from the Prophet at all actually that he said combined because of rain. The only reason we know is because Abdullah ibn Abbas said that it wasn't because of rain, which means that therefore because of rain you can combine. Does that make sense? Yeah? So we sometimes take the Mafum al-Mukhalafah, as we say, the opposite meaning of the hadith to indicate things. So we know that in, in fear, like Shah just said, you can combine. And in rain, therefore, you can combine. Yep. So Sheikh says, well, number four, if it's allowed to combine during the rain, okay, then to combine during journeying is even more yani, deserving. Right? All aspects of the, of the thing. Just using Qiyas, just using the analogy. And... He said the fifth evidence and the final evidence is that uh, it is difficult for a traveler to offer the prayer on its right time. It's just the nature of the reality. When you're a traveler, that's how it is. Either that's because of accessibility to water, you know, is the coast clear? Can I come out and use the bathroom? You know all that behavior. Where's your missus right now? Whatever. So all that kind of stuff. And add whatever you want to it. The point is it's not, you're not, you know, the reason we, we talk about shortening and the reason we talked about all other things, concessions for a traveler is because life is not in your comfort zone. You are exposed. And so concessions are, can be put in play. Therefore, Sheikh says, therefore the correct position was sahih and al-jam'ah that the combining is for the traveler Permissible. It is permissible al-itlaq, meaning for both. Yani whether you are in the state of traveling or you're a traveler in your place of travel, whatever your state is, comfortable or not. However, However, for the one who's actually traveling, we'll say that for him it is recommended to actually combine, which is a big statement. Right? وَفِي حَقِّ النَّازِلِ جَائِزْ غَيْرِ مُسْتَحَبِ For the one who settles, it is permissible, it's not recommended, and if he leaves it off, it is better for him. And that's a big statement. 
And that's why now people finally have heard when I absolutely lose my brain when I see people yani, combining prayer left and right when they're all chilling in some place. This is the reason why. And I don't know of any scholar worth their salt from the Salaf or the Khalaf that doesn't agree with this point. That is better to leave off combining the prayer when you are not traveling as a traveler. And that when you are traveling as a traveler, you use that bad boy. You know what I'm saying, folks? Hamza is uh, the right man at the right time because his father told him, and he tell him that it's been an hour. Like father, like son. Isn't it? It's been over an hour. No, no, this Hamza wouldn't dare say anything like that. He loves the fiqh flowing. Don't go by his closed eyes and his or whatever. Don't ever go by that. Don't ever be fooled by that. Right, questions, boys and girls? Ya Allah, what are we saying? Yep. Given that what? Yes. Where does the perception of what come from? Where you mean for all the people that that are always combining when they're traveling? Just that misunderstanding there that because the Prophet traveled on uh, combined whilst traveling, that it's an integral part of traveling. I've got to be combining it wherever I am as a, because I'm a traveller. That's where it came from. Simple misunderstanding. Yeah, go on. Hamza? Uh, two questions. One was, if you're travelling, yeah. and you say, you might still be visiting cousins or something back home. Yeah. You set off things or whatever on the way. You get there, mother, you're going to complain about her. Do you, you just sat in your cousin's house for a couple of hours and you're coming back. Does that count as an azam or are you still... Um... So it does count as nazil, but here we have a slightly different issue, right? This is not like a full nazil, is it? Because you're about to set off, and your setting off now is effective, or setting off soon or whatever, is even though you're stable and, and so on, it's effectively part of the wider sa'ir journey. And by the time you get back, you're going to either be tired, you're going to pray lesser quality prayer, etc., 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 so no, I think that when you're in this kind of pit stop to see someone for the day and you're on the way back, I think this is like sair. And so I just want to make it clear, even though I am, as I said, very strict on this issue, I don't think that when it comes to going to a place for a day, you're a proper nazil. You get what I'm saying? What, what is that? Okay. Oh, data analysis, here we go. Because that went really well last time. Yes. You know that someone sent me that thingy, uh, that 70% uh, that of my... Oh, I've forgotten the, the phrase. But basically really, really thick. <laughs> really thick. 70% of your time, you're really thick. I go, really thick? No, it goes proper thick. <laughs> or something like that. Whatever. Oh, there's you messing about. Your data analysis. You can throw your data analysis in. Look at this. Honestly, man, these bloody pie charts. How, how much zulum is this? Okay. Right? 50% chying. In fact, we got a complaint, by the way, young lady, I'll let you know, that there's not enough chatting anymore in the lessons. Wallah, I'm telling you. Wallah, I'm telling you. No, one second, I want to listen to me. I'm telling you, Anam, yes or no? 
It was in some, one of the groups. Some Aksa group? Yeah, there you go. Proof there. Proof? Yeah. They said that honestly it's become too serious, too much content being covered. Then they you know, put in the, the, the obligatory mashallah, but they don't mean it. Yeah? <laughs> right? So that's the first thing. 50% chatting. And I can tell you at least 5% chatting. All right? All right. Eating, 12.5%. Bro. What are you talking about? No, you said eating, bro. You didn't say talking about eating. I don't mind talking about I don't mind that. But eating, whatever. All right. Violating again. 12.5. Oh, this is it. And hardcore fiqh is 25%, which is an improvement. Because there was this girl who told me a couple of months ago that you're hardcore thick, yeah? <laughs> 70% at the time. I go hardcore for thick, 70 She goes, no, 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 hardcore thick, hardcore thick. All right, thank you for nothing, Hiba. What an absolute zulm. Right, get back to some proper thick. Yeah. Travel, travel. Yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna get home back in time for before model. Yeah. Do you pray? Do you combine and think, well, if I get delayed on the way on this one? I think so. I think so. I think it's an actual sunnah. I, I, I like this position. When a person's traveling, they should utilize the 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 can not just utilize the concession, but also be aware that you're not obliged to have to worry about the consequence, but rather you are required to recognize the situation that you're in, and that very much so things could change and. You know, uh, when you get home, tired, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Other things that you'd like to do, you know, to get ready for Maghrib, for example. So, no, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's allowed, yani, and I think it's, uh, not, I think it's above allowed. I think it's recommended that if there's a defined benefit, not just for the sake of it. I want to make it clear. It's not for the sake of it. I think that person does need to make a, a very low-level analysis, not take it too serious, and then go with it. The, the, the length of time that it takes is never going to come into it. No, but I can't combine. Oh, I know that. Okay, I'm not. No, I, know, I know Islam is a good time. So should I combine at home just before setting up, just before for my journey? Or I... If a person was in a situation like that, the, uh, as, as we as we uh, spoke about, actually we haven't actually spoken about this. We spoke about. Huh? Is it? What for? No, no, I'm saying, uh, oh, where did we cover it? For what reason? You mean in the shortening section? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, but I think I said... Yeah, no, no, but that's what I'm saying. I mentioned in the shortening section because someone asked the question. Like, if you're doing it at home, right, the majority of scholars do not allow you to take any concession at home. They, they use the state of concession of traveling in the same way and they apply it to combining. And you know that you can't take the concession of traveling, for example, not fasting. Remember we spoke about fasting? That's where we speak about that when we get to fasting. That if you have not left your area, you need to still be fasting. You can't do this behavior that I'm leaving home at one o'clock, and so therefore at home, I'm gonna eat from breakfast time until one o'clock, yeah? Uh, you got to fast, and then at one o'clock, when you've left your city limits, and now the concessions of 
uh, traveling kick in, now you can break your fast. This is what we spoke about, yeah? Likewise, we accept that for shortening, yeah? So the question is put by the majority of scholars, why would you break that rule for combining? Because combining is also initiated and activated by the concession that's initiated with, uh, as a concession after traveling. However, we took a more lenient position. And when a person's combining at home, I'm telling you now, when I give that ruling for a person, I'm giving it more for difficulty than I am for traveling. Because he's not traveling, is he? That's why never is that person allowed to shorten the prayer. But yeah, if a person, for whatever reason, had to leave, just as you said, just at Maghrib time, right, and knew that he's going to get to his place at midnight, for example, or one o'clock in the morning, and he's going to have to be on the road all that time, and he can't pray on the side, 100% I'll give this person the concession of praying Maghrib and Isha now, get done. One, because he can't get it done on the side. And two, when he gets there, there are some scholars that say that the prayer is not even valid yet after Isha, uh, after midnight. So why wouldn't we? So we're using more tools when we allow that to happen. And it is permissible, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, and it's normal time, not at all. We just made that very clear that you are traveling. You are actually traveling, especially in the airport. You are hardcore traveling, and in the airport, as I said before, more issues kick in. You're going to pray sta uh, sitting down on a plane compared to standing on the floor. That's impossible. Absolutely impossible to think that a person would do that. Yeah, yeah. No. The better option is to combine in the airport. So standing and combine? Uh, at, at the airport and shorten. At the airport. At the airport than doing anything at home. People should avoid doing combining. Shortening can't ever happen at home. Uh, fasting has to be done at home. <coughs> but the combining thing, which we're giving a bit of flexibility, shouldn't be seen as flexible so that you combine at home because of this reason. Combining because of some other difficulty, no problem. Right? Like in this chapter, we might next week speak about more. I think Fizza asks sometimes mothers combine when their babies are a few months and they're in a very difficult situation, barely being able to pray. And you'll find most of the scholars allow a breastfeeding woman to combine. Most of the scholars allow someone who's mustahada, for example, and those who are suffering irregular bleeding. And these are the scholars that don't give you the concession of being able to make one wudu for the whole prayer time. Right? And so, therefore, a person having to make a full kind of behavior each time. And so to do that five times a day would be tough. So we reduce the amount of times that she does it, yeah, uh, the whole stinja and washing and everything, and allow her to do it to two prayers per washing. Does that make sense? So this is at home. We'll allow combining for very, for very lenient, what seem lenient reasons, but the reason we're doing that is because we're very strict. That's only because of this very, very specific condition that doesn't come around again a lot. So likewise, when a person's at home, we would say that if there's a very clear defined path about what the alternative is, which is the, the, the traveling standard, which is to go to the airport and pray and, in musallas and areas which are well de designate, designated, and you combine the prayers, then that's what should be your, your go-to. But, yeah, if you're in a, a particular airport that doesn't have a musalla, 
or you're, uh, you know that, that you know, this particular airport's got bad security situation or the current season time means that there's a big rush on the airports, it's not going to happen, then yeah, it's allowed to combine at home. But of course, praying in full. Yeah? Yeah. Every day of the week. So your so your point is is that uh, uh, so your, so the question is is that um, because of the teaching nature of the of the job, uh, it's uh, it's not possible to pray dhuhr, uh, pray asr in any of its time other than at three uh, basically ten minutes before uh, maghrib. Uh, ma uh, yeah, or you combine at lunch. And the problem with the praying at ten minutes before maghrib is that. That's such a risky strategy that anything could knock that off. Anything, literally, on a daily basis. Whereas then the only way around it is to therefore then to make the combining the default kind of position in this kind of scenario. Um, I think it's permissible for you to do that. I think if this is the kind of circumstance that you have, um, I think it's too risky to depend upon praying at 3.40 every day. The odd prayer here and there, I think it's okay. Right? I don't think this comes under hadith of, of the Salatul Munafiq. The hadith of the Munafiq is very clear. He's watching the sun set, like that whole two hours. And then he quickly stands up and he prays, right? And so that's the exact opposite of this situation. You, can't, you don't even see that opportunity. I think it's permissible for that period of time, for those periods of time. Um, when I say those periods of time, I mean by that, that, for example, Maghrib is not always 3.50, yeah? So when it's like 3.55, you wouldn't do it. But for the two, three-week period where it is 3.50, that's the kind of thing you would, uh, uh, whatever. I think that's permissible, yeah. It is permissible to combine Dhuhr and Asr as a matter of routine, daily, on a daily basis, for the three weeks, two weeks, for the few days that she knows that almost definitely there's a risk that's going to be taken in that. I think that's permissible. And I, I, I find that I, I would be very surprised if any scholar would consider that to be impermissible. Because the normal caveats would be given. That be very careful, be very aware, you know, be jealous about this kind of concession. Anam. Yes. Exactly the same, of course. That's what, they, that's what the meaning is. The meaning is, is that you can pray, but you're not praying. So, you know, I'll just wait a bit. Not com I'm not comfortable enough. And, you know, make excuses, keep delaying, delaying. You have the ability to pray and you keep delaying it. That's the, the prayer. Tilka salatul munafiq. 
تلك الصلاة المنافق Yeah, I'm telling you, we all do it, bro. 100% they will, 100%. Combined. He didn't mean that. And here's the thing, I'm saying that the rest of you, if you want to do it as well, yeah? Knock yourselves out. <laughs> Knock yourselves out, boys. Knock yourselves out. You see, the key is this. The key is this. That when it comes to teaching, you try your very best to create a sense of responsibility in your student body. And after that, I couldn't care less about what, what people do, right? If you lot don't do it, so I'm, I'm not held accountable for it. I made it very, very clear, the caveats, the mood, yani the danger, yeah? And other people, there are people out there that are looking for these kind of fatawa. If anyone's got half a brain, they'll, they'll, they should be shocked when they hear this, and then they want to hear more information, and they'll dig into it, and they'll get understand. But if they're not interested in doing that, oh, good luck to them. I know that I'm sleeping soundly at night. Like... You know, by the way, I made a decision. This, listen to me. If I dare ever say that I'm leaving the country in wintertime, slap me twice. Okay. I've, before, I've been this guy that I've got to get out of here in winter. Got to go. It's fantastic. Eight hours sleep? <laughs> Bro, it's like amazing. I feel like a bear, like doing all of it, gathering it, like to make up for everything. Three hours, three hours, three hours, bloody every night. Yeah? It's amazing. I can't, I'm enjoying myself so much these days. Bro, go sleep at 10 o'clock, you're killing it. Nothing to do anymore. You know when you're old, you don't have anything to do anymore. <laughs> There's no reason, Shaz. Why would I want to be awake after 10 o'clock? Honestly, man. Uh, bro, fully old, done, gone, finished. How poor, done. Done, 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 done. Fully done. And before the journey, you mean at home? So you're away and you're going back home. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's okay because, because we've already said our class position yeah. is that it's permissible for a person who even is nazil as a traveler to combine. So you are a nazil, you are a musafir. Right. right? So of course it's allowed, no problem at all. Because we've already, is it better? I think so because why? When you're leaving from home, I'm sorry, when you're leaving from your traveling destination, it's not like leaving from home. It's like a break in the travel, but still part of the travel movement. It's not a proper Nazil, Nazil situation. If it's your holiday home, then if you deemed it not holiday home enough to shorten, then absolutely no issue. And if you deemed it holiday home enough that you removed all the concessions of travel and you prayed in full, then, and this and that, then exactly the same as the answer I gave before. You wouldn't combine Yani there because you're treating it like a home. But if you needed to, it's allowed to. And that wouldn't necessarily be because of travel, but because of haja, because of need. Because of concession of need. Yep. Yes. No, it's not. So we're going to come to this, but, but the, the question is, is that if you pray the Zohar just before the Asr time enters, is this combining? And the answer is that is no, it's not combining. And this is what the Hanafis call al-jama' uh, al-suri, pseudo-combining, right? In actual fact, 
the Hanafi concept uh, in actual fact you, what the question that you guys haven't asked is that we heard the reasons why they don't combine right no we didn't no we didn't, no, we didn't. right sorry that we heard their reasons for why they justified themselves not combining but how did they respond to the ahadith so many of them that said combining and their main response to all of them is that they said and it's a very clever response they said what is combining so what is combining go on I ask you They'll say, that's fine then. Then we believe in that. They do that one. Well, according to, well, certainly according to you, because your definition was so weak. <laughs> yeah? You literally said combining between Dhuhr and Asr. Well, that's exactly what he did. And that's what the Hanafis say. This is what the Hanafis say in response to every hadith that mentions combining. They said, yeah, combining all 100%. It means to pray Dhuhr in its last time and Asr in its beginning time and therefore they're both combined and they've got evidence for that as well they use a statement of Aisha radiallahu anha in which she said it's not the most authentic narration in the world but she said that the Prophet would delay the Dhuhr until its late time and bring the, the Asr to its early time now first of all as I said it's not authentic according to many but the response would be that even if it is authentic even if it is, what's the, the who, who, who's to say that this is his intended meaning behind combining? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, anyway, what you said is praying in its right time and it's the right thing to do in this kind of situation. In, the, in these winter scenarios, most people end up doing something like that, right? Uh, like in class, uh, 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 in arts, that's how I would go, I think I'll do triple combining. Lunch, Zuhr and Asr at the same time. Right? Even forget winter. I do that in summertime, by the way. So in summer, where Asr is like coming in at late, whatever, I will not give people their lunch break early. I'll tell them beforehand, have a big breakfast, but there's no way you're having lunch on me. Because they you know, take liberties. What they do is they go for their lunch uh, uh, at one o'clock, stuff themselves, and they're sleeping in the afternoon. You don't do that to me, bro. Yeah, you're going to have all your awake period up until 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, then I'll give you an hour, you can have your dhuhr in the last minutes, you go and have a munch, you pray asr as soon as it comes in before 5, and then we then, then if you want a graveyard shift of 2 hours, I don't mind, but I'm not making, making my graveyard shift 4 flipping hours, like I've got 4 hours to give. Don't argue with that point, Shaz, come on. Okay. Yep. They are, well, not really, if we, if we cannot agree on a definition for combining in the first place, then it's not such a bad answer, is it? Because so far, we said combining, but breaking down technically, explain one person is correct. That's us said that. We don't have a definitive proof that the Prophet said like, well, we will, we will argue and we'll be able to put forward some timings. But the point is, is that if you think that there's a hadith where the Prophet said, that combining is in the beginning of the prayer time of the first time or in the end of the second prayer time. Which, by the way, Sheikh Uthameen makes a point. He's going to make it next week. He's going to say, there are people out there that believe that when you talk about combining, and I've seen that, by the way, as well, they mean, or they feel that that means that you've got to pray Dhuhr and Asr right at the beginning of Dhuhr time and that you've got to pray your Dhuhr and your Asr at some late, late time together. 
Correct. That's our definition. Correct. It is a completely different thing. But it still comes under the linguistic definition of combining. That's the point. Right? Anybody else? Right. Um, I, think, uh, I think where we are, if you're traveling uh, by train as I do, a proper travel, such as from one province to another, does the train station have the same ruling as the airport? Yes, it does. Yes, absolutely, it does. All right, I think we're good. Jazakumullahu khaira. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ilaha wa astaghfirukallahum wa atubu ilayk. Next week, we're not in Chido, folks, okay? Next week, not in Chido. Same time, though, online, but not in Chido. We come back the week after. So no dars here next week. Dars will be online, same time, 8, 10 UK time. Jazakumullahu khaira. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.